Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Hi, I'm Jeremy Robar, entrepreneur, VIP, and founder of the revolutionary program, Think Your Way to Success. It's a three-step program that's been changing lives and my income for the last two years. Five years ago, I was a nobody just like you. After my Think Your Way to Success program, I spend the entire weekend in my jacuzzi or engaging in the exciting sport of domino toppling. Hey, if you can think it, you can do it. One of my award-winning courses is sure to be perfect for you. The first course I call Think, Hold That Thought, Complete, because that's what you do. Step two is known as Learn, Start, Doing, where I explain the mysteries of starting. Or take the new accelerated course that will have you laughing and hugging strangers. Motivate, demonstrate, then motivate again. Just listen to these endorsements, and remember, these people volunteered. They aren't being paid much. I've been on the Think, Hold That Thought Complete program, and I have to say, I'm finally going to start my career in being a well-paid, rich person. Yeah, I've been thinking my way to success for a while now. It's some good stuff. Call now and sign up for my Think Your Way to Success program. And if you want to think really fast, try my Crank It Out program. Call 1-866-434-SELF. Hey, don't just do it. Think about it. Shut up and sit down. Hello everybody, I want to welcome you to another wonderful episode of Third Shift. It is episode 338. Today you have, you guessed it, me, I'm here. Otherwise I would be some kind of weird ghost doing this thing, but I'm not. I'm a real human being. It's me, Mr. Eric. And with me today, as per usual, especially lately, I think it's been a long, 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 long time, man, since it hasn't been both of us. You know, those days, I think, I don't know, they might be gone forever, because we always find a way. There's a will, there's a way. We're always here. So, with me today, you just heard me say his name. It's Mr. Matt, the inglorious bastard himself. He's here today, having a grand old time. He wants to say something about he's not going to be here. He's already got it planned, folks. He's going to try to jump away from the podcast coming up soon. That's not true. What I was going to say is that last week, it was almost just me here. Because if you had no internet, if you didn't get that, that so five close. minutes of internet, there would have been just me talking and yes. nothing else. <laughs> so if you don't know, folks, we recorded early last week, and the uh, Michigan weather was going crazy. There was a big ice storm. I'm not kidding you. It was five minutes, like Matt said, after this podcast ended. I mean, actually, it was like a minute after the podcast ended. I My power went out. It was literally as it ended. Like, yeah. as I said, don't forget to save, you, your Discord froze. And I went, oh, uh, it, it's just a Discord freeze. Oh, wait. I bet it's not. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't. Power <laughs> went out. Power came back on. It came back on. I got back on. Oh, recovery, 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 save. Eric, just do the don't forget to save thing. Don't forget to save. Here it is, dude. Oh, thanks, man. Uploading it. It's there. Sweet. Power went out. It was gone. We were done. So it was a miracle of miracles that last week's episode happened without it being some kind of weird, just Matt talking strangely and doing things and one-sided conversation. It was crazy. It was cool. But we did it. And here we are this week for another episode on the normal day. Mr. Matt, how's the week been? What's going on? It's been an extremely busy week, as you know, Eric. But as you know, podcast listener, I like to do... Lots of shows, lots of things. It was the most packed week that it's been in a long time. Because on Thursday, which is the normal podcast recording day, 
went and saw the Alonzo King Lines Ballet. They've come to Wharton Center a few times. I always see it and I go, eh, I'm not a dance guy. I'm not a big dance guy. Unless it's like like years and years ago, like the Russian Ballet Company came. And I was like, okay, I'll go see that. It's like a national ballet thing. So I was like, this year, screw it. Let's go watch it. Come on, mom, let's go see it. Watched it. It was kind of a mix between not like traditional ballet, but if you think of like com- contemporary dance or modern dance with ballet aspects to it. So it was really like intense and cool because you're seeing these like really in shape people doing these awesome dancing. But again, I'm not really a dance guy. So like halfway through, I went, am I supposed to be getting a story out of this? Or is this just like all together just dancing and, and scenes? Like am, am I supposed to like get it? And then I went, okay, just stop. Just look at it. I would, could kind of go like soft focus on it. I'm like, I'm not worrying about that, but it's just like incredible stuff that I'm seeing. Great dancing, especially there was, let's see, I think there were, there was a couple and then there was a solo act and they would come a couple times and the way the girls would move on point, like if you know on point, that's like literally on your tiptoes and ballet shoes. She did so much on point stuff. It was crazy. I mean, it's, it's impressive enough when you see like traditional ballet, but she was on point, you know, twirls and, and this, and then like down like almost crouched on the ground and walking around it was intense i looked at it and was like man i would break my toes my ankles my hips my knees all of it would fall out if i was doing this but just when i could just appreciate like i'm standing watching this crazy stuff it was great loved it a lot very next day at night went and saw detroit 67 a play about detroit in 1967 about this little family and their struggles and their events during the the big riots and stuff that were going on Really good show. Really, I wasn't sure what to expect. You know, it could be really super serious and over the top and very dramatic and very heavy. There was a little bit of that, but the kind of family dynamic as a brother and sister and their friends, you know, from the neighborhood, really fun. You really got to like those characters. So when they went through the struggles, it was like, oh man, oh Sylvester, oh man, look at this, oh man, that's happening. I don't want to see these people go through bad times. And there was an interesting thing. And I haven't had this happen before. All the plays I go to, you know, I go to some big level, Broadway level stuff, and I go to smaller stuff. But this was the first time I've ever seen somebody, and I'm not knocking him, because I'll get to that in a second. The actor would kind of sometimes misplace his lines or have to repeat them because he fudged them a little bit. And it was weird because, you know, as you're paying and sitting there, normally you would think that you would think, man, this guy really sucks. But as I was watching him, it made me more like it endeared him to me because he seemed just like his character was just kind of this, this lovable, friendly guy. And so to, even though the actor was kind of not struggling, but you know, wasn't super on point. It was just, it melded in with his character so well that I was like, Oh man, this guy's cool. I like this guy. I like this actor. Like I like this human being on the stage doing this. So I don't know. It was a weird moment of just, I'm sitting there and I'm like, I should be like, Hmm. This should be perfect. But the fact that it wasn't made it more charming, I guess. I don't know. But really good story. Really good play. I enjoyed it. Two days later, went back to the Wharton Center. These were all at the Wharton Center, by the way. So visited again for Nat Geo Live, The Secrets of the Whales. If anybody has watched on Disney+, Plus, there's a little four-part series from Nat Geo. Secrets of the Whales. This guy, Brian Scary, who is an underwater photographer, goes and checks out all these different whale groups like all around the world. And so he was there doing a talk kind of about filming that series. His, since he's been this photographer for years and years and years, decades, you know, seeing the way things change, seeing the way 
the ocean, the climate, all that stuff has changed. And if you watch the series and then especially his talk, it's really interesting seeing the different ways that you think of animals as the same all over the place. But if you watch that series, you see how different certain groups of the same species of whale do different things. Like there's this, this, this two family pods of orcas in, I think it's in the Netherlands. They're the only ones in the whole world that hunt seals like literally on the beach. Like they wait for a wave and then like rush in and snatch them. And then like off the literal sand beach and then like wriggle back into the water. Every other orca in the world, none of them do this. And so it's kind of this whole thing about how like family units of, of these animals form and how they do things certain ways in certain places, even though it's the same species and they should be doing the same thing all the time. This group always goes here. This group always does things this way. And the guy, really good storyteller, really engaging. So everything he talked about was awesome. Even though I'd seen the series already, there was some behind-the-scenes stuff he was talking about. There's a Q&A session afterwards where he incorporated even more stories into all the questions people were asking him. Just a great time. Then, yesterday, no, two days ago as we were recording this, back to the Wharton Center. They're getting all my money this year. Went and saw Black Violin, who I have seen a few years ago, I think pre-COVID or maybe just post-COVID. It must have been pre-COVID. They are a group of two violinists, well, one's a violinist and one's a violist, and they have, like, a DJ and a drummer and a keyboard dude, and it's a mix between, like, it's like hip-hop with violins. Like, they don't do, like, hip-hop singing, but it's, like, that music and then the do 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 It's really cool. It's unlike anything else I've ever heard or could explain. Go check them out on YouTube or something. They do great work, and it's just a, they do have a couple, like, songs. One of them sings. It's kind of like R&B type of stuff. Just a positive message. And they have a positive message about, you know, broadening your horizons. Like, if you think about violin, you know, normally you're just with your suit on and do-do-do-do-do, playing the old stuff. But they took that love of violin and broadened their horizons. They broke the stereotype, and now they're doing this. So, a really good show. Lots of fun. Everybody in the crowd was having a blast. Eric is pleading to say, please stop talking about all these cool things. Talk just about video games. I will. (laughs) Hey, you're free to do whatever, man. You can do whatever you want. On Saturday, played a ton of Forspoken. I feel like it's been a long time since I've played. Well, certainly it's been like a week or two since I played that much of it. But it's the thing that I always talk about. The game is so much fun. The action is so fluid. And just running around the open world, collecting treasure chests, collecting collectibles, collecting the little mana pools everywhere to upgrade your magic, going around fighting every single enemy group. And learning the rhythm and the the way to use each different spell and each different type of magic. And then by the time I got done with, I got I go, okay, I got to do something else. Run to the boss, fight the boss, acquire that boss's new magic. Come back out, look at these cool new magic spells I have. And of course I have mana to unlock them all right away. Boom, I can't wait to use these. Go into the first enemy encounter. I am awful with all this new stuff. Okay. Hang on, back out, back out. Try and get try and get a hold of it. But when I go back into that open world and I'm fighting all the enemy camps, I'm getting that rhythm back with the new magic. And I've, I, I told Eric this before and I talked about it on the Whatcha Plan. Taking these pieces of the new magic, and since when you switch magic, you kind of slow down time. So you'll put out a couple things of the water magic, slow down time, move to the fire magic, get these things going, move back to the earth magic, boom, boom, boom. It's beautiful. Like, the the kind of combos you can lay. I can't believe that when you switch from water to fire, for example, the water stuff just doesn't go away. It seems insane that you can have all three things popping. 
And there's going to be more because there's even more Tauntas to fight and more magic to get. So it just it just blows my mind. And it shouldn't because it's a triple-A game on modern hardware. But it just, I can't believe it that I can have the giant water pillar in the middle of a giant ring of fire and put my plant down so he's shooting stuff and do my vine whip. And then, oh, it's just great. I love that game. And it sucks because I played so much of it that I didn't get much time to play like a Dragonetian. I'm in the beginning of it. I'm having fun. I just got to the big story moment. I can't wait to play more, but I also can't wait to play more Forspoken. And a couple other things that I have played just a little bit this week. Vampire Survivors on my Steam Deck. Come into work a little bit early. Fire up a stage. Oh, I've been actually unlocking new characters. And then going on the wiki and going, okay, how do you evolve the whip? Oh, it evolves with this. Okay, some things that I never got to evolve because they just never, nothing ever clicked together. Okay, that's how you do it. Oh, now that I've evolved that, it's actually super badass. Now I'm going to start doing it in the next runs. Lots of fun. Been playing a little bit of Undertale too. Finding wacky characters, having wacky times. Seeing why that game is legendary. Because the first start, there's not a lot to it. I'm starting to see the stuff that everybody has seen. Like I talked about with God of War. They've been talking about it for years. It's been legendary for years. I haven't experienced it until right now. But that's been a fun week. An extremely busy week. I haven't been able to play nearly as many video games as I would love to, even though I have played a few. But it was a great week. What about you, Eric? Well, let me tell you, in the real life, Mr. Matt, this weekend was a busy, busy, busy weekend. A lot of uh, real life stuff going down, people coming over, people visiting, places to go, things to do. I did a uh, little daddy-daughter day with my younger daughter, went out with her for a few hours, and we went and Got some treats and coffee, hot chocolates, read our books, went to a nice little restaurant, ordered whatever she wanted. I got some food, too. Had a good time. Then we had friends over, let their dogs come over, play with our dogs. So they're having a blast. Everyone's having a good time. The next morning, I went to a buddy's house, played some uh, knockoff Warcraft board game. We did do that, yeah. we did do that. We did. Matt was there, too. Had a good time with it. Didn't get to finish it properly because it took like three hours to get halfway through this game. And it was like, no, we got to go. Everybody's got to (laughs) go. But it was still a good time. Uh, Definitely want to try that one again. But I want to shake it up like we were talking about. Maybe do like co-op or something and see if that can like speed things up. But, But in general, you were just going around taking over different territories, picking up pieces, trying to get your troops out and about. It's, you know, good board game stuff. It was a good time. Had a blast with it. And then, of course, on the video game front, well, let's see. What did I do? I played some Wild Hearts. Me and Shay, good pal of mine. In fact, he just texted me earlier today, wants to know when the hell we're going to be doing that this week, and he didn't respond with the dates I gave him, times I gave him, so we'll see what he says eventually, I'm sure. But we got into the Wild Hearts. We're enjoying it. It is a Monster Hunter-like game, for sure, 100%, but it is more like Monster Hunter World than it is like Rise. So if you liked World and you liked that kind of just being in that atmosphere, in that area, like a lived-in environment, instead of more just traditional, like, hey, we're just going to fight the monsters, doing a thing, go back to the main hub, that's it. This might be for you. A lot of really cool, unique things that they're uh, doing over there. I talk more about it on the What You Play in Third Shift, so I won't go too deep into it in this one. But I will say, so far, the four monsters or so that we've engaged at all look really good. My character looks really good, and the gear that I've been able to make thus far looks awesome i uh i do have a female character as my character this time around instead of the male 
and so far I think what we've gotten does look better on me than it looks on the male counterpart. So I feel bad for my buddy Shay, who's doing the typical, you know, male guy, because I get to look just fantastic. I look fabulous, Matt. I look absolutely fabulous to be to be honest with you. So I'm ha- I'm just having a good time with it. I'm I'm really enjoying the decisions I made so far, and then fighting these monsters who are just freaking crazy and all over the place. And, of course, have just completely different skill sets and, and, and looks and stuff from Monster Hunter, which I'm starting to get used to because I've played quite a bit of Rise. I've played all of Monster Hunter World. I'm so glad I picked this up. What a game. Can't wait to play it some more. Now, I said video games, and this sort of you know pertains to that. Last of Us, the show, I won't say too much on it. I'll just say I'm continuing to watch it. I'm continuing to love it. The latest episode, wonderful, fantastic what a good time. It explains a little bit more about Ellie and how some of the stuff, you know, and situations she's in and how, how it all came about and ties in some stuff. So her and Joel's relationship gets built a little bit more through a side story. And then, of course, an event that took place in the last episode. Good stuff. I recommend everybody watch it. It's really weird because it's getting, you know, nines, tens, tens, tens across the board. All sorts of people are loving this. But the few people at work that are into like shows that I've told to go watch it, they've thought it was boring and they didn't really like it. And I'm just utterly confused. I'm like, this is fantastic. It's really good. I'm like, yeah, it's okay. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not really fully in. So I don't know if it's because I understand the story, which that doesn't even make sense because I didn't like Last of Us. I'm not a Last of Us fan. It's not something I enjoy. But the show, for whatever reason, is hitting different, and I'm actually really enjoying that versus the game. So I don't know what's going on with that, but I did watch it. I am up to date, and I do encourage people to check it out. And then, of course, the last game, besides Destiny, which I touched for just a minute. I I started the first mission, but it was already late. Got halfway through it. Didn't go well, so I can't really talk on it too much right now. I'll get back to you next time on it. Was Hogwarts Legacy. That is the only real game that I've been playing steadily this last week, or at least trying to anyway, and keeping up with. And I talk extensively, well, at least a little bit more on the Watch Plane's third shift about it, so you can kind of go way in over there if you want to hear, you know, in detail more about it. But I'll just say here, fun game, great game, having a blast, side quests galore. It's ridiculous how many side quests there are, and just like little things to do, treasure chests, all that good stuff. I can't stop doing it. I keep getting hooked in every single time I do any main mission. I end up doing like 50 different freaking side quests. The characters are all fun and goofy and Harry Potter-like. I'm telling you, what a fun time. There's a couple listeners already who are like, hey, I'm going to check it out. Hopefully, I don't disappoint them and they enjoy it as much as I do. I'm sure we'll find out soon enough about that. But as for that, that's all I've done this week, man. It's here and here we are. We're doing another show on, on the proper day. We're doing it on the proper day with proper releases. And my release this week, well, I said it's proper releases. My release this week is a weird one because this is a game that I do want to play. So I didn't go too deep into it. You know, my usual, if I like games, I'm not going to go too deep into it and spoil it myself. But this is also a game that's getting so many mixed reviews that I absolutely don't know what to make of it. Even though I do want to play it, I'm not sure what to expect and should I play it at all. What I'm talking about is Scars Above, which came out on the 28th of February, developed by Madhead Games, published by Prime Matter for PlayStation, PC, and Xbox. This is a game I've been hyped for when they first revealed it, because it's that game where there's a big, like, inverted pyramid that shows up in space around Earth. The scientists go up there, something happens, you kind of black out, and then 
your main character, Kate, who is a scientist, awakes on this strange alien planet. And from the demo, which I did play on PC a few months ago when it first came out, you wake up and then some very strange Death Stranding type stuff happens. You see shades of things and, and shadows of aliens and big screeching noises and she thinks she's going to freak out. And then you wake up on a planet proper where it seems your team has been for a long time, but they seem to have gone through a whole lot of stuff. Like a whole lot of time seems to have passed for them, whereas you're just waking up right now and trying to find them, trying to piece together what happened to them, trying to survive on... Maybe an alien world, maybe inside of this inverted pyramid thing, who knows? But when I played the demo, the controls were really stiff. It felt kind of strange. It had a strange structure to it, like you would go to these big pillars as you explored the world, and they kind of acted like bonfires or sites of grace in Elden Ring. You'd go there, you'd recover your health and all your ammo, but the enemies would respawn. But anything you would unlock, anything, any doors you'd opened, any collectibles you'd gotten, those would stay with you. And it was so... It felt weird, and I was playing it with mouse and keyboard, which doesn't help because I'm not a mouse and keyboard player. And I went, I don't know about this game. Let me put it off. Let me hear the reviews. Now, watching the reviews today, as I'm watching it for the release, some people are saying, I really enjoyed this. It, it's got a lot of cool story bits. I love the character of Kate as a scientist because the few things where you have to solve a puzzle or you have to you know, investigate with your kind of detective eye certain things, she brings, she, the character, brings a lot of like enthusiasm to the science aspects of it. Like if you're investigating this alien body, she's really interested in how they developed, how these organs work this certain way. But then other people, other reviews are saying, yeah, but the action is so stilted and slow, and I hated the puzzles, and the characters were stupid and worthless. And the other people who liked it were saying, I actually kind of really enjoyed the way that you add different elements to your gun and use them to affect the enemies, to affect the environments. And you'd learn through doing that with small enemies when you fight a big boss creature where you have to use those same abilities to affect the environment, it kind of, it kind of flowed along. But then you go back to the bad review and say, all you do is use dumb gimmicks to affect the environment and the enemies, and then you do it with bosses. I don't get it. That's so stupid. Why did I have to do it so many times to small enemies and then do it to a boss? The whole narrative around this is it's completely different opposite ends of the spectrum. Some people are really enjoying this game. Some people are really dogging on it. But one thing I will say, and I learned this from watching the reviews, two things actually. One, the developer Madhead Games, this is their first actual... And I shouldn't say it this way, but actual like proper game where you're running around third person shooting because they're better known for making like hidden object games. If you've been on Steam, you know what a hidden object game is. And two, this is not only their first foray, so they're not going to be AAA best tier at it. But two, this game is only $40. So this is a AA level game at a AA level price. So you shouldn't expect the best highest graphics, the best voice acting, the most smooth, buttery controls. So looking at it from that lens, I'm going, man, you know, when I played the demo, it wasn't for me because, like I said, on mouse and keyboard, I didn't like it. I literally said to myself, I couldn't pay 70 bucks for this, but I could probably pay 40 bucks for it. To experience a, a unique and interesting sci-fi story, to find out the mysteries of this inverted pyramid, to find out what happened to the alien who is, there's kind of like a ghost alien who talks to you. And from the demo, you can't understand the language. I'm sure throughout the game by uncovering this, doing puzzles, scanning objects, you'll uncover the language, learn what happened to her species, or are they still around in this inverted pyramid? What's going on? So I'm excited to learn the mysteries of this game, even though it may not be AAA 
with all the shiniest bells and whistles. This looks like a solid, smaller game at a budget price from a studio who it's their first foray into doing something like this. I think it's worth talking about. It's worth checking out. Maybe if you even still want to wait on a sale. Actually, don't wait on a sale because on Steam, it's also almost 10 bucks off right now for the first like two weeks. So it's 30 bucks if you get it on Steam. So literally half price from any of the other AAA games you're playing. I've heard it's like an 8 to 10 hour experience. So if you want a small bite size experience, something unique from a new studio, new developers, I think I'm going to have to check it out. Those two things got me. I want to support developers doing new things and it's at a budget price. So if you want a a smaller bite size experience, which I do because I got so many other big games in here, I'm going to have to check it out. Check out Scars Above. Why not? Support some small devs, you know? You should support some small devs, and you should also get the opposite of what Matt's talking about, which is a long endeavor, a big game that's going to take you 50 to 80-ish hours from what the reports are telling me, and that is Octopath Traveler 2. And you might say, Eric, this game's been out for like six, seven days. Yes, you're right, but we didn't cover it last time, and I'm going to cover it now because of one particular reason. I was going to skip this game, everybody. I'm not going to lie to you. I played Octopack Traveler, the OG. I got it. I own it. And I fell off of it. I got bored. I'm not, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. That's what happened. It's gorgeous. The music was fantastic. But I got bored. I didn't really care about the characters. I felt it was too slow. Uh, when they would join up, there was it was like they didn't they didn't know each other. There was no real interaction. It was just, man, you're, here you are. You're in my party now. Here we go. When you'd go to meet a new character, you'd play their story. But it was just their story, and you just had people following behind you. Exactly. It was it was really strange. So I fell off of it, didn't finish it. And I was like, you know what, Octopath Traveler 2, I wish you well. I, I hope everybody loves you. I hope you do well. Because I want all RPGs to do well. Always do. One going to play. But then, all of a sudden, masterpiece, 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 masterpiece. And I went, oh, no. I can't skip this game. Everyone's saying this is a masterpiece of an RPG. I love RPGs. How could I live going, oh, I didn't play that game. Well, you didn't play the masterpiece? The game? No, oh, I didn't do it. Well, you're dumb. You're not actually an RPG guy, are you? And I really am. No, you're not, because this is the best one there is, period. How how'd you not play it? I don't know. Uh, I didn't like the other one, so I skipped it. Can't do that. I'm going to give you... <laughs> The same rebuke that I give you every time when we talk about this. No one's going to have that conversation with no you. No one is. No one's going to come out You're on right. the street and go, Eric Patton, did you play Octopath Traveler 2? No, I didn't. You suck. Then hang the scarlet letter on you. Put the sandwich board on. Didn't play Octopath Traveler 2. And on the back, I'm not a loser. Not a real RPG here. Get out No one's going to do that. I can't, but I... I I'm not going to do it because I wasn't going to get it, it either. Because you were going to play it and you probably still aren't going to play it. But here, here's where the tides turned. As I told back, oh, I don't want to have to buy this, though. I, I don't know, I got too many other games I'm buying this year. It's crazy. I don't have to. My brother bought it. I totally forgot. That was one of the games he was buying this year. So it's already in my, my catalog. I, I own it. I have it. So I can't not play this. And it's a wonderful Square Enix game. We all love Square Enix. It's out last week, like I said, February 24th, for the Switch, for the PC, and now new to PlayStation. First one coming to PlayStation, super excited about it because I love playing on the PlayStation. That's my home. That's where I play most of my games. So super happy about it. If you don't know it all, uh, what Octopath Traveler is, it's that, you know, that 2D, beautiful, like 2.5D, whatever. Uh, HD 2D. There it is. That's what I was looking for. HD 2D graphics. So it just looks like a super beautiful, beautiful old school game. 
you control one character you pick at the beginning of the game, and then as you go along, you'll then jump into the other stories of the other characters this time around, and then you can either A, just play at one and meet the other characters through that story, which they'll join you then at level one, or B, you can jump around and play the other characters' intro stories, which will get them up to like level six, I think I heard, and then, then they will join you a little bit buffed up, blah, 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 and off you go. So, in a nutshell, you're going to play everyone's story regardless. It just depends on whether you want to do it singly to get that little level advantage when they join up with the other characters. Or if you stay to hell with it, stay one character and just meet them at level one, then do their little storyline with them. From what I hear, though, going that route's not a big deal. They'll, you know, they'll po- kind of power level up with you as you're, you know, facing enemies a little bit tougher, all that good stuff. And then from there, you can take their primary job skills, level up, do whatever you want. They also have secondary job skills. And on top of all that, through side questing and main questing, they've got licenses, Matt. So you can take these licenses, which buffs up their job skills and gives them even more perks and abilities through their primary secondary jobs. Which, I'm like, oh my gosh, you're talking about primary jobs, secondary jobs, and then now these licenses that you get to even buff those even more. It sounds absolutely phenomenal. And then they said they listened. So now, apparently, which I haven't played yet, so I don't know for sure, but from what I hear, the characters have, like, side interactions. So every time you're on an adventure doing something, they'll have the night at the inn, and you'll get these nice little story time bits with the different characters where they talk to each other and actually have back and forths, and you can kind of get a little relationship built out of it and feel just more connected. Like, they're actually there for a reason they're actually helping you for a reason and that ties into the main story also once again from what i hear they're all on the same path via different means for different reasons but they all join because they're going towards a common goal instead of just you're just there because you're there so you'll the stories will all build to what the uh, end game is and that's what i wanted that's what i wanted from the first one didn't happen so they're fulfilling that in theory, and from what I hear in the reviews, which getting 10s out of 10s, it must be true to some extent. And then to cap it off, the music, everyone says it's just stellar. Like, God-tier music, can't beat it. It's just beautiful, gorgeous, wonderful. How can you not want to play this game? And then, of course, it has my favorite thing, Matt, which it had in the first one, so this this isn't new, but... Every enemy, of course, has strengths, weaknesses, etc., and they're all laid out at the bottom. So you go through your different, okay, lightning didn't work, all right, fire, all right, how about physical, how about this? And then once those weaknesses and strengths are found, every enemy will have it displayed at the bottom for you, so you'll always know, busting out those particular types, doing the thing. You'll get used to those type, you know, the different enemy types, so you'll know instinctively what to be putting out there, what kind of damage to be done. And, of course, while you're hitting them with the weaknesses, they get the break meter going up. Once they break, you get to do extensive damage. It's every RPGer's just dream. That's like that's the, that's the go-to battle system that really feels good and just rewards you for just knowing what you're doing and doing the spells slash attacks you're supposed to be doing. I want to play this game. I got too many games already. It's not. It's this thing we never stop talking about. But man, Octopath Traveler Two is looking really dang good, man. Tell you what. I really wish you didn't do this as your release this week because I was not going to get this game because I didn't like the first one. Mm-hmm. And now all the things you're saying about the second one sound really damn good. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to have to buy and play this game. Mm-hmm. 
but it sounds more and more like I'm going to have to buy and play this game. And I don't want to because there's too many games and I have too many big games that I have to play. Here's another big game and I'm probably going to love it. And especially with the weaknesses down at the bottom things, so you don't even have to remember and you just got to, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to. Okay, here's what I'll do is I'll watch some gameplay. I'll watch somebody's stream of it. Because one of the things I didn't like was all the HP the enemies had in the first one. Oh, I know. It was crazy. Sure, you got the break system and all that stuff, but it was too much. Like, every battle, I was just like, I'm tired of doing this. Like, why are we going, like, eight rounds for just some freaking wolves? Yeah, that, that bugged the hell out of me. That's what killed me. Yeah, like, each one, it was like four full rounds of your party members to down one enemy. Mm-hmm. It was too much. So I watched some gameplay. If it's the same way that way... I won't get it. There you go. But if they've cleaned that up, if they streamline that down some... Might end up picking it up. I have to get it. Well, I've got an upper and a downer too, man, to tie this in. Okay, let's start with a downer because it also alleviates a little pressure off of you. Luminous Productions, Matt. Rip. No. All right? No. So you don't have to worry about ever playing a Forspoken 2 because they're gone. They've been <sighs> uh, dissolved back into the Square Enix team to different projects, and uh, you'll never see that again. So you will eventually have time for Octopath Traveler 2 because you don't have to worry about playing for Spoken 2, man. So is that that's good and, and bad, like all wrapped into one. And I know you're saying that just to get my goat, but I feel like this has happened. I mean, I know it happened to you with <laughs> yes, uh, <it> did. <laughs> Visceral. Visceral yeah. was the name of the team. But I feel like this happens to... Both of us, like an inordinate amount, like all the things that people hate, we end up really liking. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, oh, well, shut that team down. Shut that game down. Uh, Strangers of Paradise. You know, anybody? Oh, there you go. I mean, this studio isn't shut down or nothing, but that game's amazing. It's God tier. It's fun as hell and nobody likes it. Well, a few people do, but you know what I mean. Cyberpunk was supposed Cyberpunk. to have all these DLCs. Yeah. Now it's got. Th- it's going to have one, one coming. Still indefinitely. Who the hell knows when? I was going to talk to you about that at work, and I forgot. <laughs> That's the other one that I w- that I forgot for some reason. The new Saints Row. They're oh, they're yeah. they're they're, they're o- gone. well they're not gone, but they're over the gearbox, gearbox umbrella. Now. So who knows now? So this happens too much. I love that game so much. And if you did a sequel, you can do so much. I don't know if there's going to be room for a sequel. You know what I mean. Mm -hmm. But if you took all the good things that you have here and made it differently so even more people could love it, a a follow-up, a DLC stuff, they could make it so much more and so much better. And it is already so good. Yeah, it's a shame. (sighs) I forgot that you told me this earlier in the week. So you saying it on the show now breaks my heart all over again. God damn it, Eric. So I'm hitting you again. I'm just hitting, punching you again. (laughs) <laughs> hey, look, it's a, it's you know, it's news. It's, it happened, and of course, it's immediate news because you love Forspoken. So yeah. I couldn't not say it. But I'm gonna cheer you up with a bit of bright news, and that's from Software in just a Twitter statement. No big announcement, no nothing. Said, hey, guess what, everybody? Hey, we got a DLC for Elden Ring coming, and it's Shadows of the Erd Tree in the Shadows of the Erd Tree, and it's coming soon. And what's that mean? I don't know. I thought soon, soon. I start talking to Matt. And I was like, maybe that's like right around the corner. And everyone was talking about how, oh, you know, usually it's within a year of the DLC, so it might be right around the corner. Everyone's woohoo! But then the scuttlebutt is that they've talked about actually having Armored Core 6 released before the DLC. And I don't think Armored Core 6 is coming out until probably the end of the year or maybe next year. So, right, yeah. I'm I'm conflicted. I don't know what to believe. I don't know if any of this is actually true or if it's all just scuttlebutt. 
That hurts my heart. I don't want those butts to be scuttled. I don't want those butts to be scuttled. I want to be back in Elden Ring. Yes. Soon. Yeah, soon. Like in the next few months. Yeah, I want to be back in there like now. Oh yeah. But I, I would take I would take six months. I would take at the end of the year. I don't want to wait a whole another year. No. For the Elden Ring DLC because it's gonna be bad enough. I'm gonna be horrible enough as it is. So if I have to wait a whole another year, it's it's gonna be like fresh new baby in out in the wind. Well, you th- you say it, but it's not true because instead of playing that this year, you're going to play a Dark Souls game. That's true. So you'll still be a master because you'll have played a whole nother From Software game instead of just getting into the Elden Ring DLC instead. That is very true, but I'm just I'm just so sad because as soon as we started talking about it, I know the lights lit up in both of our mm-hmm. eyes, and we felt like teenagers again. Like, oh man, I can't wait to get in there, man. Oh man, I'm going to get my character. I'm going to do this thing, and it just felt so good. So to have it kind of like shoot up like a rocket, and then we're slowly hang glidering down back to Earth. I want to hit like a fresh jet of hot air. And then go flying right back up. And rocket back up. Oh, it's actually going to be coming out on like June 28th. And oh, happy birthday to me. Woohoo! You know, that's, that'd be nice. That's exactly what I'm hoping for. But I'm going to be patient. I'm not going to get my hopes up too high. I'm not going to think about yeah. it too much. But everyone out there, if you enjoyed Elden Ring, look forward to a DLC coming up soon. It looks like there's all sorts of new cool stuff you can expect. Everyone's already dismantling the uh, the image they showed with like the crippled Erd tree, and some say maybe that's the Halic tree instead. And then who's riding on uh, Torrent? And it's of course, from what I hear, Torrent the live Torrent instead of like the undead, you know, the ghost Torrent. So like, why is Torrent alive instead of the ghost now? And then of course, who is that? The brother of Melenia, I think, is what they're saying. So I. I don't know the lore. It's too much for me. It's over my head. But I will say it looks really cool. And I hope, I just hope that with them announcing that, that it's coming around the corner and not a year away. I can't wait to see my Skelly Bros again. I'm just going to summon them as soon as I get in, no matter what. No matter what happens. Bing, 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 bing. They'll come up and I'm like, dude, it's time to ride again. And they'll go, because they don't actually speak. Yeah, they don't say anything. But in my head, they'll go, yes, sir, here we go, sir. I'm like, and they will, and they'll poke and poke and poke, and they'll have such a yeah. great time poking. Oh, yeah. Now, regardless, a game we don't have to wait that long for, man, is coming. It's called Final Fantasy Sixteen, And there was another big preview. A bunch of folks, Matt, who you know are way more important and cool than us, got to get their hands on it, play it, and have a good time with it in a... Uh, Closed demo designed specifically for these individuals. And they got to go exploring this castle with Sid, well, the version of Sid in FF16 anyway, and experience going up against Gerudo in both human form, or whatever she is form, elf form, whatever, and the icon once she transforms. They revealed all sorts of stuff on this, man. Like, first off, this is the first mainline Final Fantasy that you're only going to be controlling one character through the whole game. That's it. Clive is your character. You will not have any other... There will be an occasional party member that joins you, but you will not control them. You will do nothing with them. The only control you will have is mild control of your dog, whom you get to like set to heal you, attack, etc. I am torn completely on this. I, I sounds on one end, really cool, because mm-hmm. now I can just focus. You know, make the Clive the best he can be, really get very intimate with the attacks, defenses, pairing, magic system, the whole nine. And that, that sounds appealing. So I don't have to sit here and be like, well, I gotta I gotta understand how these other characters work too, and try to like just jump from one to one to one to one to keep the 
game going because we all know if you set you know party members to auto most of the time they only do a half-assed job at best it's better if you can actually just jump from one to the other constantly and keep the main you know attack or rhythm going you don't have to worry about it but on the other end what the hell man like that's been final fantasy forever is getting to be with a team and, and 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 use different abilities and attacks and magics and just whole different ways of playing you know blue magic black magic white magic you know berserker etc dragoon that's all gone. It's gone. Now, I do 100% hear what you're saying. Yes, for me, that's been my Final Fantasy also. But uh, Lightning Returns, you did only play as one character the whole time. You didn't have a team. It was just Lightning. I could have swore all of you were. But neither of us actually played Lightning yeah, Returns, it so it's count. fine. It's, it doesn't, doesn't really count. matter. But Don't know I'm, about I'm Lightning just, Returns. I'm, I'm not having that one guy come into the Discord. Actually, actually if you Lightning played Lightning Returns, Returns I was you know, a mainline Final Fantasy. There's actually been a precedent for this already. You two aren't RPGers. It's I'm going to put the sandwich shoot. board it's on you. It's an offshoot. Get out of here, nerd. Who played the <laughs> actual sequels? <laughs> uh, I mean, it does complete that story. But yes, I, I. that's why I said I hear what you're saying, because to me, it's always been that way, too. But it does interest me for all the same reasons you said. And the attacks look really flashy, look really fun. I mean, personally, the one-on-one stuff looked a lot better. Like when he was fighting, she didn't turn into Garuda, whatever her name was. When yeah, I forget was, her name. It was just the two of them. I, for, I forgot. But comparing that to like the, the footage of them fighting the soldiers in the castle, I said it before when I first saw Final Fantasy sixteen, and each time they reveal some, when he's fighting more enemies than just the one, it looks like too much. There's like a whole lot of stuff going on. There's all the effects and all the things and all the, all the thises and the thats. But when I see the one-on-one fight... It feels. It looks like it feels good. It looks like it would feel right. Like just like you said, I can I can see everything that's coming. I'm gonna parry. I'm gonna counter. I'm gonna dodge. I'm gonna roll. I'm gonna press right on my on my D pad to have the dog heal me. I'm gonna press up so he can attack, and then maybe get an opening so I can swoop around and then do my rising uppercut thing. And and the fact that you switch between the different aspects of the different icons, they they talked about it in some of the videos I saw, and they didn't do a great job of showing it, but saying, like, you do, like, a wind uppercut with Garuda stuff once you have her, and then a big slam with Titan's kind of big fist hammer. And the fact that you swap between them really quick, and each one has its own different cooldowns for the different abilities you do, it made me think of a game that's now dead, Forspoken, and it, it, that that's what really appealed to me, is just having these different abilities, different themed elemental abilities, swapping through them on the rotation, swapping through them on the quick, and this one does this, and this one does that. The thought of stringing all that together in an even more action-based game really scratched the itch. I was like, okay, some of this, I don't know, I, I just can't get over how much is going on in some of the videos, some of the screenshots, but the fact that you are doing the things that I love in a game that I'm playing right now in just an even more action-based format. I'm excited for that. Like, it seems like a ton of fun, especially when you're fighting the big giant bosses, bringing in all those kind of abilities to tackle this enormous thing. So that's the next part I was going to break into, which is the fact that apparently you're called the breaker, the the, bro, the chain, or some... You're, you're unique because the icons generally have pick one individual... And that they're inside of them. So, like, you are a weapon of mass destruction. That's what a lot of websites are saying. And that's why the power struggles are all real and every everyone's vying for these different icons. You become a weapon of mass destruction in this gritty, dark world that's just constantly at war. Well, you, Clive, are special because you get to actually wield multiple icons. And so as you come up against 
the different icons. I don't know how yet. I don't. I have no idea how the story goes and why this is a, something you can do. You get the abilities, just like you said, of the Titan, of Gerudo, of the others as you go. You initially start with Ifrit, and then, boom, go on and go on and go on and go on. And each of them has different ways they do magic, different ways they do attacks, heals, all of it. And it's like you said, while you're battling, you can instantaneously jump to Phoenix, for example, and start healing up, doing fire attacks, all that good stuff, then switch over to Titan, slam down a shield, which absorbs almost all the damage for any heavy attacks that may be coming your way, boom, right back to Ifrit, going, you know, and doing your just basic big melee attacks, almost instant. And that just sounds amazing. The the kind of combos and the tie-ins and the way you're going to have to think about things sounds awesome and i can't wait to just like just check it out and kind of figure out what icons are your favorites to have in the slots and at your own instant disposal and then of course when you get to the boss fights the ones you're gonna have to pick in for those because of the weaknesses strengths that kind of thing and then to further it like you were also saying you're in these battles with these characters and doing this stuff and they might turn into their icon right in front of you and now you as clive are fighting this giant monster this huge behemoth of an icon you got to get them staggered so they come down and then you can do like special attacks heightened damage all that good stuff to then beat them and then of course through the story cinema things you'll then turn into your icon and then you go into these huge which leads into the whole next section these cinematic huge battles of like you know and some put it on par with like godzilla type battles you know that just looks crazy something like uh, asura's wrath from Xbox 360 era, which it's these giant cinematic knockdown, drag out fights, and your main interaction with it is QTEs. Mm-hmm. But just the, just even just watching it on my phone, you know, at work on the last scraps of time on lunch that we had, seeing the scale of Ifrit slamming around with Garuda, fighting across mountains and through forests, it looked awesome. I mean, pretty much like unlike anything else that's been in Final Fantasy before. So as different as it is from traditional Final Fantasy type stuff, it does excite me in that way to see these, you know, I've no I know Garuda. I've known Garuda for since Final Fantasy V. So to see it in this new form and being absolutely enormous. Ifrit, same thing. Mm-hmm. Just being this towering giant of a thing. It kind of like reframes the way you look at him. Obviously in the other games they were big deals. But now you and me and everybody can feel like this is a whole new level. I think it looks awesome. And then it's not even a separate entity. That's the cool part, too. Yeah, yeah. It's not like, oh, just this whatever demigod-type creature is just doing its thing, and then it goes away. Even in previous, you know, the remake, they didn't go away. They fought with you, but it still just felt like an add-on. This one, it's you. Yeah. You're Clive. It's you. you you're doing the thing. You're you're battling as Ifrit going to town. So that connection, I think, is going to really make a big difference. And then, of course, the QTEs for me, some people don't like them, some people do. I feel like the way they're tying it in, they're making it a cinematic event, I think it's going to work really well. Because it's not meant for you just to have different abilities, because that's what Clive does. That's that's what you're doing when you get to the part to get to this part, as you're doing the real battle. This is the that moment where you get to just, like you always say, lean forward looking at the screen. Oh my god, I'm in a spectacle right now. This is a story moment. And then do the quick time events, hopefully get them. And then, of course, what, what you all know what's going to happen afterwards. The big, oh, you've beaten me. and blah, 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 blah. Here's all the dialogue and here's the big story. And, and you mentioned connection. And that was the one thing I was thinking when I saw it scale up from like one-on-one fight, one versus monster, two monsters brawling. And it made me think, like, this is awesome and this is really cool. And obviously you're going to have these 
multiples of these fights, you know Bahamut's going to be the end boss. But it made me think, and it made me hope, and there's nothing that's been shown that would make me think it wouldn't be the case. But I went, man, I really hope that this three-tiered, giant, enormous fight where everybody has huge health bars and you're going through this enormous, big struggle, I really hope that they make this story and, like, emotional and like this connection with you and this person why are you having this big knockdown drag out fight i hope you know if you're running through the realm and doing side quests i hope this character is always like on your tail breathing down your neck doing this so when you finally do confront this person and you know they turn into their icon and you turn into yours it's a big not just momentous scale type of clash and action type of clash but story related like but emotionally there yeah like how do these two relate to each other like what is their history and what have they been doing all throughout the game has she been harassing you does she have a part in the bad stuff that you are trying to get revenge on you know i i want the story and the emotion and the stakes to build just like the action itself has. Yeah, and, they, and they've said they want this to be their Game of Thrones in Final Fantasy form. Okay. So they're getting rid of a lot of the, uh, the the brevity and the fun. There'll be no card games, no side games, no fishing. They said there's going to be none of that. Because, of course, that's the whimsical, fun side of Final Fantasy. They don't want to tell that story this time. They said there will be heartfelt moments in this game. But it is not a happy world, it is not a happy time, and there will be no shenanigans to distract you from the fact that you're at war and people are murdering each other and everything's going south. And, you know, some people, I, I understand, are not happy about that and are like, no, that's not what Final Fantasy's been up to this point. But for me, if they can do exactly what you just said, tell an emotional story and make you invested in why you're hurting and killing and, and, and getting along or not getting along with said individuals... Throughout the story, I'm in. Because I loved FF15, but there were several characters that just hopped in. And I I had no, I didn't care if they lived or died. I didn't really know, you know, what was going on. They just did a thing. You fought, you didn't fight, and they left. And, you know, you just left like, well, I don't really care if you're alive or dead. And it's fine by me either way. I want to I wanna care and I want it to matter. I want them to live up to that Game of Thrones promise because I did care about characters in Game of Thrones, both when I read it and watched it. So if they can do that, this might be, has the potential to be one of the best FFs today. And I think I heard one of the videos I saw, they talked about, you know, taking cues from the recent God of War games. And everybody knows who listens to this podcast, how emotionally invested I was in those. So if you're taking cues from that, if you're taking cues from Game of Thrones and making it that big and serious and and dark and deep and emotional... I'm going to be 100% in also. Another thing we got to be 100% in on is our talk about the state of play because we told the people we'd talk about it after it was too late, and it's too late now. It's too late now. It was too late then. It's always too late, but it can't be too late because (laughs) then it'll be way too late, and it won't even matter. And there were a lot of things that I was actually very excited about from the state of play. I know a lot of people said, oh, the state of play kind of sucked, but... There were there were a few highlights for me, and I'll I'll start off with I'll, I'll start off with the VR grab bag because you know VR games I don't talk about them that much, but there were a few that kind of tickled my fancy. First was Synapse, and that was the one where you seem to have like telekinesis on your left hand and shooting on your right hand, and made me think of my favorite Xbox game from the past, Advent Rising, where you could just pick people up and throw them or hold them up in the air and shoot them. It looked great. Right after that was Journey to Foundation. I read all the Foundation books, like in middle and high school, and I loved them. I couldn't tell you a single thing they were about anymore, but it was, again, that kind of thing. 
shooting, shooting, shooting. And then there was some kind of like brain, like hypnotizer ability on the left hand at some point. And it also looked really nice, especially for a VR game. I thought it looked good. And then the last one, Before Your Eyes. I have seen so many videos about how emotional and touching and heart-wrenching that game is. And I bought it on Steam because it actually it requires a webcam to work. The eye tracking on PSVR 2 now, of course, can do that. So I'm excited to see that go to a wider audience because I've heard so many amazing things on it. I can't wait to play it. And if more people can play that game and feel and experience how good it is, then good on them. And in the uh, VR grab bag, I'll stay right there with you real quick. The game that came to mind for me was The Foglands. It was like a, a scary first-person shooter game. You're going up against all your typical skeletons and, and undead and all, all this other weird, crazy stuff. Uh, it just looked good. It looked good to me. It looked solid. It looked like it was going to be a lot of fun. It looked like it had that nice spooky vibe. So, But not too spooky because I'm going to be playing Village, but I'm terrified that I'm not going to be able to play that game. And I'm not a chicken, don't get me wrong, but just having things jumping at me like that all the time and doing stuff in the VR, I have a feeling it's going to uh, bug me. So I don't know how that's going to go, but this looked like it was kind of just silly enough mm-hmm. to where it isn't like, oh, oh ah, you know, that, that kind of scary, but it was just enough spooky and weird to get you in it. And maybe I'm completely wrong, but I do intend to for sure keep an eye on the Foglands because out of that grab bag, that's the game. That really hit home and made me go, ooh, that's that's a VR experience for me. And then we were talking about games that are silly and weird and kind of goofy and strange, and that's humanity. This was like controlling crowds of humans as this weird spirit dog, but essentially you're playing lemmings with all these humans, you know, having to get them to some kind of an exit. And, you know, that sounds fun enough. And then they showed that you can do custom maps with all kinds of custom goals, and, you know, people can build them and do all kinds of crazy stuff. And I went... Okay, that's even cooler. But then they also showed some of the totally weird stuff that can go on in this game. Like, you know, they showed masses of humanity just trying to go through these blocks to get to an exit. But then there were modes where the the other hordes of humanity had weapons, and you would give weapons to yours, and it was like a, a gunfight, and then like a zombie fight. And then in some, there was like, your humanity would turn into like this ball that was floating in the air and would do stuff. And there was like a giant humanity that was made of people that your, your group was trying to fight this giant version of themselves. It was insanity. And I went, that's just the kind of weird that I am a hundred percent into. Give me more humanity. Let me know more about that. Cause I want to see how weird that can get. Are you still, you got more VR? Are you good with VR? How are you oh, feeling? so no, sorry. I was, that was, oh. I was out of VR. My bad. Okay. Well, that one was VR. Oh, it was? Yeah. I thought that was just, like, outside of it. No, that's a VR game, buddy. Oh, well, heck. It might be outside, too, but it was in the VR It was in the VR home, the home section there. Oh, because I had it after Chia, which was outside of the VR. Oh, man, no, I, I'm pretty sure it's part of the VR. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm insane. Regardless, it looks cool. Regardless, it was definitely unique and cool, and I thought you would like that one. So, I get what you're saying. Now, another one that looked good to me was the new Resident Evil 4 trailer, man. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I, I, we've talked about this already extensively. That's where I hated Resident Evil. That's where I fell off. That's where I said, I'm never going to play these games again. They ruined it. They took it away from what it was supposed to be. Blah, 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 blah. Then I played Village all the years later. And I went, this is fun. I enjoy this. And then, now they're redoing Resident Evil 4. And you get to have all the fun, and, and now that I enjoy that that way of playing Resident Evil, I get to go back to this. 
So them just having another trailer, showing a bunch more stuff. They confirmed the Mercenaries mode, which that I'll never play. don't really care about. But the game itself is looking crazy cool. My only concern, especially with this trailer, was there was all sorts of, not quick time events, but like weird dodges and, and stuff like that going on. Like everyone throwing their sights at you and knives at you. And that you don't see in Village very much. So I don't know how I'm going to react to like all this having to weirdly dodge and get out of the way of them throwing stuff constantly at you. So I'm a little scared of that part. Well, it's definitely not constantly because, I mean, there's just will be some with a scythe mm -hmm. and they throw it. But then after that, they come just at you like a zombie. Running at kinda. you normally. Yeah, but there are, I mean, from the original, there were a lot of quick time events. Like, mostly during boss fights or like big set pieces type of things. Mm -hmm. But it looked great. I thought the characters looked, I mean, this is how you felt about the Dead Space remake, all the characters look super weird to me. They look to they look so different. Ashley looked so weird. Like I mean, she looked weird in the GameCube original, but that was because it was a GameCube game. Everybody looked so different to me. And Leon doesn't have his jacket on, so every time I saw him with just his black shirt, I was like, "That's that Leon looks so skinny and looks so small. Why is that?" And I remembered. It's because he usually has this big tan jacket on. A dumb thing to notice, a dumb thing to think about. But as someone who did play the original, I'd never beat it or anything, and has some a lot of love for it, it just felt a little weird. But everything else about it looks great. Graphics look awesome. I can't wait to play it again. And speaking of games that look awesome that I can't wait to play, Street Fighter VI. They got another three characters revealed. I, I won't put them in any order, but I got to say Cammy's new look. I love Cammy's new look. The hair... Oh, she looks awesome. Zangief looks good. There are two things that threw me off about him, though. Is one, now he's got wrestler tights instead of trunks. And it looked, I, w I was like, okay, I can get past that. But his voice actor, and I'm not saying he did a bad job or anything. I'm so used to him being super over the top. And he wasn't like over the top with his Russian accent or his like bellowing it out. Mm -hmm. I was like, I want Zangief to be a cartoon character because he kind of looks like that. In his wind pose, he looks like a cartoon character. And he wasn't so much that, but still looked great. And then Lily, the new character, I know Eric had a strong reaction to this, but she seemed like uh, Nakaruru from uh, Samurai Showdown, who was in Capcom versus SNK. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't a big deal, but a character I'll never play. I don't like small characters. I'm not good at fast, small characters. So I, eh, eh. I'll give it an eh, but I'm excited for that game because so many of the other characters that we've seen look good. The, the world tour mode is going to be amazing. I'm excited for it. Now, the game looks fantastic. We already know. I just, I'm not going to play a fighting game again. It's not going to happen, but it is always tempting because this one does look particularly good looking and the characters look fantastic. I wish everyone the best street fighter six. <laughs> Hope you do well. But a game that I do play, and I already mentioned, was Destiny Lightfall, all right? That trailer was hype, all right? I'm watching this trailer, and then you got to go in the past now, because like I already told you, I did already play some of the starting mission, etc. But before I had done that, I watched that, and I was like, oh my god, here, all the characters are together. It's the big culmination. The Witness is here. He's the Harbinger of the Darkness. Oh my goodness. The Traveler's actually shooting out common beams, big old giant Street Fighter beams, whatever you want. He's awake. He's doing things. Or she, whatever the Traveler is. I don't know. I don't care. This is all coming together. It's all about to be the big story finale of this particular Light versus Darkness. Uh, in the music and just the, the, how the Guardian was like, got cut into pieces. God, I was like, ooh, dang, this is real. Guardians are dying. The Witness can actually murder, murder them, you know, and, and occasionally there's been baddies that can do that. 
but just to see him do it so easily, just with a flick of a wrist, and it's like, well, okay, this is a real, this is a real deal right here. We're we're about to be jacked. We ain't, we ain't all powerful like we think we are. Where that hell holds up, I don't know. I'm hearing all sorts of stuff on the Twitterverse, but I'm not gonna mention that here. I'm just telling you that got me hyped for the game when I watched it and excited to play it. So good on you, Bungie. You did a good job with that trailer. It will go from a 100% Eric game to a 100% Matt game. I knew nothing about this game. This is the first time I've ever seen it. And a lot of it shouldn't be things that I like. It's some things that I don't like, but something about this trailer appealed to me. It's Goodbye Volcano High. And I'm just going to read what I wrote down here. I said, Dinosaur Apocalypse High School Rhythm Game Visual Novel? Question mark. So many of those things I like. I like dinosaurs. I like rhythm games. I like visual novels. The high school part, ah, I could take or leave, but something about those character designs, especially when you saw them, you know, they're all part of a band in some kind of high school and the world's about to end and they're all dinosaurs or, or monsters or something. And then there's visual novel type stuff too. But when I saw the rhythm game stuff, like there was that game, We Are OFK, that I always wanted to pay attention to and kind of wanted to like, but I never really got a good vibe from it. But when I saw these characters playing in a band and like actual circles coming down and you had to hit the stuff to make the song play. Something about it just went, yeah, I'm going to play this and I'm going to fall in love with these characters and either the world's going to end or it's not. And I'm going to be very sad or happy or whatever, but something about it just, I don't know. I shouldn't, I feel like I shouldn't like this game because it's high schoolers and there's going to be drama and this and that and whatever. But I don't know. There's all, all kinds of little aspects that I like all smashed together. I'm going to at least pay attention to it. Awesome. I don't know if you got any more, Matt. The only other one I got is the Ender. Well, I will say the only quick one I have, because there wasn't much shown that we didn't already talk about, of uh, Baldur's Gate 3, I saw it and I went, I rubbed my hands together and I went, give me some more of that. I want to know more about that, just like we did last time. Yeah. And I got sad because I saw a dice roll and I went, I'm going to fail all my dice rolls, but it looks just like what I wanted out of Dragon Age all those years ago. The problem was his dice rolls, Matt. Yeah. I saw the dice rolls and I went, do I really want to play this? <laughs> yeah, I know what my dice rolls are. Do I really want to do this to myself? I don't know. I feel like if they didn't show it, like Knights of the Old Republic had dice rolls, but it didn't like say you missed mm-hmm. your dice roll. It just you would miss or you'd crit or you'd have a regular attack. Same thing with Dragon Age. If they just didn't show it just don't at show the top, it. I'm fine with it. Just whatever. Just give me a chance to persuade and I failed. That's fine. Don't show me roll a one. I can't yeah. handle it. That's going to piss me off, like, to no end. So I'm super pumped, but also super worried. And I don't know how to feel about that game anymore. So to end it off right now, and for tonight, is Suicide Squad. All right? To kill Justice League. They showed a big, extensive gameplay thing on this. And me and Matt, we were pretty hyped to play this game. Because it's a co-op game. That's what it's all about. You know, getting gear, going through this crazy, fun story. Being the Suicide Squad, which are a bunch of unique, crazy individuals doing crazy cool unique things and i don't know where we missed the beat i don't know where the misinformation got thrown at us or just us not paying enough attention but apparently they stated this was going to be a third person shooter game at some point in time and we missed that or at least i did maybe you heard it but i missed it and thought it was going to be a a hero game i feel like i had heard it but they didn't show so much gameplay like i remember seeing like the flying around and then a couple abilities but I never so, saw so much fly around and then float and zoom in over shoulder, plink, 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 plink. And that was like the entirety of this reveal. Yes. Was swoop, hey, we're having fun time. Zoom over shoulder, plink, 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 plink. And I mean, I'll, I'll, 
I already started off negative, but I will say there is good stuff here that I am that I would be excited about, and that's like the villain themed weapon sets. I thought that sounded like a lot of fun. If you had signature weapons that certain villains had, and then it used their effects. I mean, they showed off a Bane gun. Bane doesn't use guns, so it was kind of a hit and miss. But like, if you had. I can't think of a villain offhand. If you had Calendar Man, he shot out like calendar pages and it did something cool. There's cool stuff like that. There's, there's cool concepts you can do. Uh, I like the, the look of the traversal when Harley's swinging around or, you know, Captain Boomerang zipping about. That looks really cool. Like, I feel like I would have fun exploring if it was an open world, just zooming around as those characters and having fun. And Samoa Joe as King Shark, that's the best casting you could ever ask for. But there's so much about this that I just it just makes me so sad. Because Rocksteady used to make the best melee combat system in the whole business. In all of video gaming. Because everybody stole from it. And it was so good. And the other thing that they did was in the challenge modes for Arkham City, you could play as all the different characters. All the different bat characters. And they all felt completely different, even though they used the same exact melee combat system. And that's what I was hoping for. From this, I wanted King Shark to feel like a big, just big giant bruiser. Just when he'd have his counter thing, he just wouldn't, he wouldn't counter. He'd just stand there and then rip somebody's arm off. I wanted Harley to be cartwheeling around with a big old mallet, just like she did back in the Arkham games. I wanted Captain Boomerang to be, you know, melee boomeranging out or have that be his little tools that he would flip it about. And Deadshot, same thing. But it's all third person shooting. And you have abilities, and you have some melee abilities, but you don't, at least they didn't show it, you don't have the best melee combat system in all of gaming. Why did you go away from that? I'm not saying every Rocksteady game should be the same, but you had it here, and you you threw it away to make a, a generic third-person shooter, always-online live service game? Why did you do this? So live service doesn't even bother me, Matt. It's just what you said. Every character should have been and should be completely unique. And you take them and use them and the different levels and missions based off what you need to accomplish. So there should have been like a briefing for every mission about what you're going to do. And then you'd say, well, I don't want to take Harley because she's going to throw out bombs and conniptions and this and that and make too much attention. We're going to go stealthy this mission and take out people. Okay, well, you're going to go dead shot and boomerang probably for that mission. Boom, next mission. Nope, you need to go in and distract these enemies while another team is infiltrating this so you can go again. Oh, well, don't duh. You're going to take freaking King Shark and you're going to take Harley. You know what I mean? The game should have been based off their unique abilities and their character. What they like to do, how they typically act in all the different comics and games prior to this. And that would have been awesome. The gear part doesn't bug me whatsoever. I've I've played tons of loot games. I like loot games. So that didn't make me mad or sad at all either. It's just simply the fact that from what they showed us, and this could be wrong, but they didn't do a good job of it, all it is is just like you said. Oh, shoot, 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 shoot. You know how many shooting third-person shooters we have? We got a billion of them. I play one of the ones that's the biggest one, the Destiny. You're not going to beat Destiny. Destiny feels better than any other shooter out there, period. Just period. You're not beating it. You can't. Borderlands has been around forever if you want to go looter shooter. You're going to beat Borderlands? I don't know. It's been around forever. Can you do a better job? This isn't your wheelhouse. You're trying to meld this stuff in. You should have stuck to what, like Matt said, your unique ability was. The melee character 
showdown stuff. You know, stick to that as the main source of the combat. Have the guns be a side thing. And then, of course, yeah, sure, go loot. Loot's fine. You know, a lot of people do. Yeah, yeah, it's not yeah. a big deal. But I don't know. I just feel like they totally missed it. The, 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 but I'll tell you this. The redeeming factor and everything, the thing that still has me at least interested enough to pay attention, man, is the story. Yeah. Whenever the cutscenes are happening, whenever they're talking, I'm in it. Like, they are doing such a good job that I'm I'm over here, like you always say, leaning forward, listening. And then, of course, like when Wonder Woman comes down and just straps freaking Flash, you know, and makes him tell the truth. That was that was that was awesome. That was real. That was cool. And that was the thing I was going to say too. Is I mean, there's, there's obviously so much effort going into it. The game looks great. The game sounds great. But those story moments, those character moments, I was expecting it to be everyone's just possessed or whatever, and, and it's going to go away. So when I saw Wonder Woman come in, there's one who is still legit. Like I'm mm-hmm. a legit superhero, and I'm not taken over. And then, like you said, when she lassoed Flash, and it was. They they shot it so dramatically. How do I stop you? And it and there was the dramatic cuts between her and Flash and the lasso. So you knew he had to tell the truth. And when he said, You have to kill us, Diana, it was perfect. Like it was all so good. Mm-hmm. And it made me want to see what happens in this story. How can they get away from that? Can they not? What is gonna happen there? It made me invo- emotionally invested in this game that I have no desire to play otherwise like it 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 flipped the tables for that for that those 30 seconds of that scene and i went man if they can do that here what else can they do all throughout the game because that's one moment with one character and we've seen at least four who are bad you know you got flash green lantern batman and superman who else is out there what else is out there what can they do with that story i i still do want to see that i want to see what these characters do mm-hmm it's just everything around it. I just, ah, uh, I don't know. And the environments look great. The graphics were fine. Yeah, yeah. So there's there's potential here, but a, just a, a critical spot, I think, has been missed. So this has definitely gone from a, me and Matt are going to rock this out and have a great time, to a, nope, you're getting put in the watch bin. Maybe we'll happen. Maybe we won't. We'll see what you uh, show us here in the, you know, the coming months as the game gets closer to launch. So that's our delayed thoughts on the state of play and on the Final Fantasy 16 reveals, and on a whole bunch of other stuff. So what about you out there in podcast listener land? Do you agree with us? Do you disagree with us? Let us know that or any comments, questions, concerns. If you just want to say hi, send it to us via the email, thirdshiftme at gmail.com, on the Twitter machine at thirdshiftme. Find us on Facebook under Third Shift, or hit us up in the Discord. I don't know how to say, like, discord.gg slash whatever, yeah, but, y- but just y- find us. Just go on a Discord. You guys know how it goes. Somehow, some way, you'll get there. Just like you'll get over to Facebook. We're over there having a good time. Or on that old Patreon. Head on over there. Little tip jar sitting there. Like what we're doing. Want to support us? Help us out. Keep the lights on here at Third Shift. Throw a few bucks in there. You'll get some extra episodes. Watch playing Third Shift. Uh, Shifter Monthly Topic. It's all there for you to listen to and have a good time with. If you can throw us a few extra bucks for that little old tip. We appreciate it very much. If you can't, no big deal. As everybody always says, there's a million ways to support us. You can go to Twitch, watch us play and stream over there and do all sorts of cool stuff. Throw in your Prime sub. You can go over to iTunes, Spotify, five-star ratings. You can go to the mailbag and go, I've got a fun topic for you. I've got a question for you. Any sort of thing. And we go, ooh, what's this? And we get all super excited and ready to answer you. It's a great time for you. It's a great time for us. Any way you want to support us or can support us is fantastic, and we appreciate it. 
And the very easiest way to support us is to listen to the very next episode, which will be dropping on or around the 9th of March. And you can find that episode on iTunes, on Stitcher, on Podbean, on Spotify, and on YouTube. And as I always say, hey, if you like what we're doing and you'd like to help us out, please give us a like, a rating, a review, a comment, a subscription, any kind of good thing on any one of those good services. Because it does help us out. And we really do appreciate it. We do indeed appreciate it, everybody, as well as that five-star review on the iTunes. I tell you, we need it. We want it. Get it over there. One of these days, Matt's going to say, oh, look at this, another five-star, and we'll eat. But I'm getting hungry. My belly is empty. It's empty, folks. And if I can't fill it with five stars, I'll fill it with you. So just a, just a note out there. Well, I was going to recommend you fill it with Pop Daddy Pretzels. I, I have but. I have some right over there, but I'm not going to reach for them. <laughs> you know what? I'm too lazy to reach for them. We talked about cannibalism at work the other day. That's true. I'm not above it. Not above it. <laughs> but you, if you have pretzels within reach, the only human within reach is you. That's, that's not a good <laughs> Well, I'll not start a good with me. This is the punishment for everybody. I'll eat myself. <laughs> is that a punishment or is that a reward? I don't know. <laughs> There's nothing else to say, but don't, 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 don't forget to say Shut up and sit down.